guys, K.O. here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. Today is an awesome one. I welcome Chris Lovin, the founder of 101 Exclusive, which is a high-end designer line of t-shirts. And the company is mission-driven, uh, focusing on giving men the tools to overcome fear, addiction, self-doubt, and self-hatred to lead a life of fulfillment and purpose. Oftentimes on Turmeric and Tequila, we are focusing the narrative around women's empowerment, uh, because I am a woman, and equality. So this is a great one because I do think our men are overlooked as far as uh, the stigma of men and empathy, men and sympathy. Uh, Chris shares his story and his journey of overcoming some really incredible things, including addiction and how he now founded his company and coincides the mes- message of uh, resilience alongside his professional mission. He's a parent. He breaks it down with you know some forward-thinking thoughts on how to address some of these issues with their kids. He talks about reverse engineering on goals and lean into the end when he really nails it with a quote talking about uh, dealing with people and kindness because you never know what anyone is going through. So wealth of knowledge on this one. Thank you, Chris, for laying it out there for us and shaping some stigma around men and men's wellness and men in emotion. We are here for all of it. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm excited today. We have Chris Lovin. He is a connect from Podmax Live. Been on there a couple times. Love that entire community. Uh, Chris is a rock star. He is an entrepreneur. Um, he is a resilient human being. He has started a fashion company, uh, 101 Exclusive, which we're going to unpack. It's pretty cool. And his life mission and goal, uh, what he's setting out to do in a nutshell, is giving men the tools to overcome fear, addiction, self-doubt, and self-hatred to lead a life of fulfillment and purpose. Uh, I'm super pumped to have this conversation because, as you know, on Turmeric and Tequila, we talk a lot about equality, uh, people of color, women's equality. And I often mention our young men, I do think are overlooked in this and young men's mental health, the conversation around being emotional and the stigma about what a man is today is a lot to unpack. So we have Chris here today and he's gonna hit us with some knowledge. Chris, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. It's good to be here, finally. <laughs> we had to jump through some hoops to uh, make this happen, but we're here and I think this is gonna be yeah. It would have been super cool to like actually meet in person like we were originally planning, but how's by the way, how's the studio coming? It's coming. Well, it's okay. I mean, here. It's good. It's been a work in progress. I have a, a little 1886 house in North Denver, so it's amazing. And I'm, I'm lucky to have a couple lots, of tiny house. We have some space, but everything around it is an extra project because it's so old. Um, so we had to like redo some floors and then we still don't have the panels up. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's coming. It's amazing, but uh, it's it's definitely been um, a project. But I have faith we're going to get there. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. I'm I'm excited to be here, though. Yes. And are you in your home studio? Uh, this is my home living room, okay. well, I love the <laughs> AKA my studio. So, yeah, I love it. That was that was a really fun project. Um, but yeah, it, it was something that I just saw online. I was like, you know what? I want to put up a burnt cedar wall in my house. So I Googled it, figured it out, and did it. Yeah. I love it. It's very Colorado of you. Well, yes. <laughs> so on that note, have you been in Colorado long? Are you from Colorado? Uh, I moved to Colorado in 97. So I've been here okay. a long time. Okay. I'm, I'm basically a native, but not a native. I've been here long enough. So. Okay. Well, you've definitely seen the influx of humans come in then. Um, oh, yeah. It's changed. 
it's been a big change, big yes. change. Yes. Well, kick us off. Give us the story about young Chris, wherever you want to start, um, and give us the journey, kind of how you got to now. Let's let's start with the the emotional, the the um, it, how you evolved as a man. Then let's jump into how 101 Exclusive was established. Yeah, sure. I actually grew up in a very comfortable life. I had a great family. Uh, my parents are together, have been ever since you know they originally got married, uh, and. Uh, it was always a supportive environment. I've got two brothers and two sisters and I'm dead center on that. Uh, okay. So I got to fly under the radar a little bit. Uh, didn't get in trouble for a lot of the things that I did because they just didn't know about it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but I, I'm definitely very blessed, very fortunate to, to have a great family life. But the thing about that is, yes, I'm fortunate. Yes, I, I had that, that support system growing up, but no matter who you are and where you come from, you're bound to have trials. Like, you know, the rain falls on everyone, no matter your background, um, everyone goes through stuff. And for me, I've definitely had my trials. So um, growing up, I, have, I was always like really insecure. So I had issues with insecurity and things like that growing up. Um, I actually, moving forward though, that started manifesting itself um, through high school, constantly seeking validation, which is kind of normal for high school. You know, everyone's trying to fit in. Um, everyone's worried about the peer pressures and, you know, trying to be popular and all that stuff. And then that continued though through into my marriage, uh, which ended up not being the best thing in the world and uh, into addiction and self-hatred and, and other things like that. So it just, it was something that started small and snowballed into something that had serious repercussions as I got older. Was it, so was this like one main event that was traumatic that kind of had that foundation or was it just like a sense of a, a lack of sense of self early on? You know, for a long time, I wasn't sure what it was, uh, but I think I figured it out just literally a couple of weeks ago because I was really thinking about this and I couldn't nail like a specific event. But when I was a kid, I was loud. I'm, my son Damon is a lot like I was as a kid. Like and my mom tells me the same thing. She's like, oh my gosh, that is you. Like that's exactly how you were. And so just loud, boisterous, uh, energetic. And I remember being told all the time, Chris, be quiet. You're too loud. You're being too loud. And I remember getting really self-conscious about that because I realized that who I was was negatively impacting the people around me. At least that's the way I saw it, right, as a little kid. So I tried to, you know, be quiet and I started worrying more. Am I being too loud? Um, and that turned into other things, worrying about what people were thinking of me in the situation because I didn't want to be a burden on them. So I was just being super self-conscious. So it started there and I actually remember one specific event and it, it still hurts not because it hurts like my feelings now but thinking about like a little kid doing this um anyway so the story uh i grew up in arizona mostly before i moved to uh, colorado here and it's scorching hot there right and we had uh, we spent a lot of time at my grandparents house we got to know the neighbor kids and one of the neighbor kids we became good friends with spent a lot of time over there. We were over there uh, watching a movie 
all bundled up in blankets for some reason. It's like a hundred degrees outside and we're like, all, I think we're doing forts or something. And we were watching a movie and I was talking to my friend about something and I was pretty animated. And then the dad walks in and he goes, Chris, be quiet. You are too loud. Like he was angry. <laughs> right. And, uh, this was after I already knew that, you know, my voice was a problem. So I, <laughs> I went to the, the kitchen and I grabbed a roll of tape. I cut off a piece of tape and I taped my mouth shut. Wow. And like I said, it still makes me emotional, not because of the pain from it happening, but just the whole, like imagining my son doing it, that hurts. Right. So and I love kids. I love kids. I love being a dad. I'm a, I'm a full-time single dad for those of you who don't know. And my kids are everything to me. So just the, the whole thought that, you know, kids, and I was in a good situation. I'm thinking about kids who are in much worse situations growing up. Right. And imagine the scars that people carry with them from these events that happen early in life. And that's just one thing that happened to me that, snowballed into big problems later on. What about these kids who are in a home that's filled with drug addiction and, you know, their mom's got a different guy there every night and maybe they're abused by their dad or their stepdad. Um, you know, there's horrible situations that people are in and they carry these scars. Everyone carries these scars. No matter who you are, we have scars. And the way our brains are designed is we figure out coping mechanisms to try to fill those holes and it turns into addictions. It turns into unhealthy coping mechanisms and it, we don't even realize why we're doing it. Right. So it's one of those things that we, I feel like people need to spend more time reflecting on themselves and their past and less time trying to cover it up and ignore it. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for sharing that and jumping right in um, with vulnerable open space because I, I do, I believe, and I started this podcast, we're yet to monetize it. It was really just about, um, this was uh, really just about opening a platform for people to start telling their, the truth and their truths, because I was working a ton with children. And just like you said, regardless of who you are, where you come from, we all carry some sort of trauma and, and that, you know, it is what it is. The problem is that we have very minimal sets of tools to manage that trauma, whether it's, you know, really big or really small or whatever, we're really not taught anything young um, on how to do that. And then it, it grows as it goes. And I think particularly for our young men, uh, you know, being emotional, having empathy, that's not really, you know, part of the stigma um, or part of what's accepted for young American men. And that's a problem because then you, you know, it leads to gang violence. And I, I often reference uh, the mask they wear on Netflix. It talks about um, men and, and their emotional state and, and why we need to switch of what a man should be, what we think about that. Um, but I, it's so crazy how one little thing when you're young can be so impactful to you, like such a major ripple in the water and see that ripple carry to other things. Uh, and I also think it's funny that you say you're too loud. I was always loud, even on this podcast or most podcasts, I'm, I'm watching the waves and mine is like blaring through the thing. And then everyone else, I'm like, yo, can you turn up your mic? I don't know what's, and it's just, I'm just loud. Um, and it kind of went into this thing of just being too much, which now on the flip side, now that I'm older and I can embrace some things, it's very much a piece of who I am and, and what I am. So, you know, pack earplugs when you're around, but, um, what were some of your first steps or when was the point when you started to be like, 
it's not that I'm loud, it's this. Or when did you start to be able to kind of come to the other side of accepting who you are and what you wanted to become? That took a long time. Um, I really didn't realize it until my uh, ex-wife walked out on us. So uh, I'll give you some more details, a little more background. So as it continued to go on and I, you know, gained these insecurities, and was too concerned about what other people were thinking about me. In high school, I pretty much only dated one girl, and that's the girl I ended up marrying. And the reason that I ended up being with her is because I was like, here is a beautiful girl, and she is crazy about me, right? So external validation. I needed approval, and this is the first girl that has really given me that you know, that feeling of, wow, I, I have value, I matter to someone. And so I clung to that and I invested and invested and invested in that relationship, didn't really consider any other relationships. Um, even though we had like times we were kind of on and off for a little bit, but it, we were still, even though we weren't together, we were still together, if that makes sense, like mentally, emotionally. Um, and so that just went on. And I was like, this is the girl I'm going to marry. And that's, that's what happened, right? Because all of my value was based on what she thought of me. So if, if she had broken up with me or whatever, then, you know, that would have been this horrible, awful thing. And that carried into our marriage. But the problem was, it was such an intense codependency that I had that I took full responsibility for all of her emotions. So she's angry. It's my fault. If, you know, she had a bad day, it's my fault. Um, and the problem was she was always angry. Like she was always upset. And so it was, Chris, why aren't you a better husband? If only you did this, this, and this, you would be, you know, she would be happy. Um, if only you did these other things, you know, she wouldn't be upset right now. And so my life became focused on trying to do things to make her happy. And because I wouldn't be happy if I didn't think that she was happy with me. So I continued to, to do this and nothing I did, you know, seemed to, to have an effect. And the thing is, you are not responsible for other people's happiness. You know, you have a, a you are responsible for your happiness and you're, you have a responsibility to treat people well, but you can't control what other, how other people react to things, right? So you do right by you and what you know is right uh, for them, like doing right by them too, but you don't have any control over whether they actually accept that or not, right? Like looking back, I would buy flowers. I would get the kids up every single morning and get them ready so she could sleep in. I would give her foot rubs and back rubs and, um, at nighttime, I put the kids down to bed and read books. And you know, so anything and everything I could think of to be a better husband or father, I did it. Um, but I was doing it for the wrong reasons, right? And uh, anyway, so it got to the point where at one point she actually told me she didn't love me. And that just destroyed me and led me to make some really stupid choices. Um, but... You know, we, anyways, we kept going through. I got, I developed an addiction um, and I became, I actually became borderline suicidal. Like I almost took my life a few times and, but I was too afraid to actually do it. That was the, the only thing that kept me from doing it because I actually believed that she would be happier and then my kids would be better off 
if I was dead. Wow. So anyways, moving forward, I had a breakthrough moment where I was like, you know what, there is hope. I can get out of this addiction. I deserve to be happy. I should, I need to love myself. There is hope. And it was just this huge change, this huge pivot. And then two months later, she walked out, <laughs> you know? So it was like, hey, uh, but the timing couldn't have been more perfect because if she left earlier, then I probably would have just killed myself, you know, because then I, I didn't have the, the self-love. Um, so it, it comes from having hope. When people are stuck in addiction and self-hatred, it's because they don't have any hope. They don't, they don't see anything good in them. They don't have a bright future in their own eyes. They, they just don't see it as darkness. You feel, you feel completely tormented and trapped. It's like, it's, it's just torture. I don't know how else to describe it other than absolute torture. I, um, I always, I, addiction runs in my family and, uh, it, it's, it's a beast. I really wouldn't obviously wish on anyone. Um, but it's a disease like that is, is not acknowledged like cancer or anything else, but it really is on par with it. But there's just such stigma around that. Uh, but I really champion my humans that have been able to look that in the face and then overcome it because I think it's by far one of the hardest things in the world to do. Um, and then to be able to address it and kind of share that story, I think is even more magnificent because so many people are struggling with different addictions, particularly, you know, now with COVID and our young humans exposed to so much on social media and there's so much comparison happening and our young people are seeing things so early on. Um, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a dangerous world out there. If, again, if you don't have any tools to know how to manage some of these things, um, you know, a lot of people talk about community or faith or family was what, what really inspired that breakthrough moment for you? Or was it just something within that, like a light bulb just went off? It was definitely faith and family. So I grew up in a religious family, um, Latter-day Saint family. And I, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and prayed the whole time, praying, praying, praying. Um, and I felt like God had abandoned me. You know what I mean? Like I just, I felt like completely hopeless in that uh, if if there was a God, he didn't love me. I mean, otherwise, why would he just leave me like this? And then I can't remember the exact trigger, but it was just a light bulb. Something just clicked. And it's like, you know what? I do have value. You know what? My, my, my past doesn't need to dictate my future. You know what? I'm going to start getting this done today and it it just changed like that just out of the blue and then you know everything else that follows happened so i mean because that's that's kind of what led me to where i am and why i'm like here talking to you right now is because i know that there's hope and i know that everyone can get out of this but it, you just need the right tools you need some tactics like i learned a lot of different tools and tactics and things that i use that worked for me to help me uh with that but it's it's something that if if you are in it you feel alone and you just you need to know that you're not alone so that's why i've dedicated my life going forward to helping other people get through it so something that can help right now is affirmations you need to learn to love yourself so even if you don't think you have any value you can start with one thing and say i am good at this it can be something as you know as ridiculous as I'm good at drawing, and that's one thing I love about me is I'm good at drawing. I'm good at that. You know, one good thing about me is I don't have any serious diseases. I love the fact that I have help. I can use my legs. I mean, there are a million and one things that are gifts that we have 
blessings that we have that we don't even recognize, you know? Hey, guess what? You have a cell phone in your pocket. You have access to the world's largest library like 20, 30 years ago. Guess what? You had to actually go to a physical library and the information you have in your pocket is thousands of times more vast than that physical library ever had. Like we live in an amazing time. There is so much opportunity if you will open your eyes and see it. So yeah, there, there's hope. Like you can get out of this, you know, just start looking for things that you love about yourself. And if you're having a hard time, find someone that you trust who can tell you the good things about yourself and start making a list and, and review that every single morning. I think that's amazing. And I have affirmations. It's come up on so many casts and like when we're covering completely different things and there's kind of like these baseline behaviors that are good for every human uh, that wants to, that wants to maintain a, a positive mental mindset, regardless of what you're doing, business, sports, uh, parenting, whatever. Uh, and affirmations have come up a ton. Uh, alongside that, you talked a lot about, you know, a significant other or someone in your life. I often speak about environment and I think most things you need a few tools or a few pieces and environment having, you know, even one person person that is super toxic in your life is a really critical awareness and it can be a spouse a coach a boss a brother whatever um i think the environment you're in is another major piece to acknowledge and i want to caveat this because because you said you had um uh, basically married your high school sweetheart i think there isn't enough conversation around these young relationships like you just I, w I had my 20 year uh, high school reunion last year and even being around my classmates, like I felt some of those like emotions and high school insecurities and like you forget how vulnerable you are as a young person. And then when you get into serious relationships, that person in your life is a massive influence. So, you know, if you're not in whole space and they're not and you're this young impressionable animal, you know, it, it really, these early on relationships really can set your trajectory for the next few years or lifetime or what have you. So I think there needs to be more of an awareness to our young people like, I'm not telling you not to date or not have relationships. Just know that this will be incredibly impactful on your life moving forward. Um, so you really got to choose wisely and, and recognize toxicity, environment, um, it, start these affirmations early, early on. And it, I think it's just a really in-depth awareness that needs to happen because it's, it's incredibly influential in who you become. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing, like with my boys, I am so focused on implementing these things with them, they actually have a list of affirmations that they have to repeat every single morning <laughs> as part of their responsibilities. So if they want to watch TV in the morning, I'm like, yeah, you can watch TV as long as you've done responsibilities. And one of them is reading their affirmations three times. Um, my son had a bit of a meltdown last night, actually, because um, I had to take away his phone because the, like last night, he he took it into his bedroom and he was using it like late when he wasn't supposed to watching YouTube and stuff like that. So I have to take it away. I'm like, sorry, bud, I'm going to have to take this away. And then, um, sorry, not last night, the previous night. And then last night I go in there and he's got his little laptop from school and he's, he's watching videos again. And you know, I, so I take it. I'm like, Titus, do you want to not have access to like, videos and games and stuff like that. He's like, no, I do. I'm like, your choices have consequences. By choosing to do this, you know the consequence. You are also choosing to accept the consequence. Every choice has a consequence, whether you know it or not. And when you make that choice, you are also saying, yes, I want the consequence, period. You can't change that. And then he broke down. He's very sensitive and he kind of took the brunt of some things um, when I was, when I was, I, when I was married. 
anyways, he is very sensitive and he broke down and he was like, I hate myself. Why do I do something? And I, I stopped and was like, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I give him a big hug and I say, no, 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 no. I said, you do not hate yourself. The only person you're going to be with your entire life is yourself. You need to love yourself. So I need you to say three times right now that you love yourself. And so he did it, gave him a big hug and you know, he just held on to me. I held on to him until he was ready to let go. And then I just, you know, reaffirmed to him how, you know, wonderful he is, how smart he is, how, you know, how good of a big brother he is. He is really an amazing kid. And so I, the problem is sometimes he doesn't see that in himself. So I have to try and help him to see that. And the affirmations actually have really helped him a lot over the last three years. Uh, so it's, it's really important to start that young. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to teach my kids is the importance of positive self-talk. Like if, if you've ever uh, read the book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, fantastic book. Okay. Amazing book. You need to you need to read it. Everyone listening, you need to read it. So it it's fantastic. Um, but it talks about how important it is, and actually the the science and psychology behind the words we use with ourselves. So you are your own best friend. Be your own best friend because everyone else is going to disappear at some point, right? The only guarantee you have is that you will always be with you. So be your best friend. Yes. I think that's so well said in, in America and, you know, through marketing and branding, again, I, I come from these worlds they're creating our reality of what things should be and, you know, buy this, marry this person, do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, that is, it's, it's often romanticized Disney, like be with someone else, get, you know, fall in love, get married. I'm not against any of these things. However, we don't talk about this self-love first and becoming a whole human to be a whole human in a relationship and a positive contribution in that situation. But it really, and it almost sounds like egotistical to be like, love yourself. And it's, it sounds like ego versus a base of solid confidence. Uh, but I think that's such a powerful conversation to truly dig within and be like, what do I like? What do I offer the world? And then cling to those things. Because on the flip side, as you get older, you, you recognize that those little idiosyncrasies are your competitive edge. And that is why you are the way you are. Um, yeah, absolutely. And sorry to, sorry to butt in on you. You got me excited. Um, but two halves make a whole, but two holes make more than two. Like if you think about like it, it's science. So if you have two oxen pulling a, like a plow, they will do more work than two separate. They can pull more weight than they can separately. Same thing with toothpicks or popsicle sticks. If you've ever done this in science in school, like the amount of weight that a toothpick can hold or a popsicle stick can hold before breaking is is not even close to as much as two popsicle sticks together. It's not just doubled. It's like two and a half times or something like that. So when you have two whole healthy people coming together, you help each other become stronger. You don't need them to fill in the gaps because you are whole. And so that's what you really want. That's what makes a great relationship is two holes coming together to make something better than, you know, than they could ever be by themselves. It's a multiplicative effect. It's not just addition. Absolutely. And I, I have uh, never been married. I'm 39 years old and not because I'm jaded in marriage or anything, but I came from, my parents were divorced when I was older. Um, and I say this as a positive, I was really old enough to see some of the work they had to do and the lack of tools that, that were really exposed to them, even when they sought them out, because it was still kind of new conversation then. Uh, 
but it made me put marriage in such a serious category, knowing how much work needs to come in, knowing that I wanted to continue to work on myself before I commit to things, blah, blah, blah. But I, I still think there's stigma with that. I did a whole cast on why aren't you married? And we unpacked that a little bit, but I, I just so strongly believe that our young people really need to recognize that difference between someone completing you and you showing up complete to another complete person and then forming that team to take on the world because the, the marriage it's a jungle no matter what even if it's the most perfect situation in your life it's work and that's okay but you need to be able to show up equipped open-minded ready to compromise which i'm working on and you know a few other things so it's you have to understand that this very romanticized situation is also really hard and you got to be your best self no matter what um yeah and the thing thing about being with marriage is one of my favorite quotes is that marriage is not about finding the right person as much as it is being the right person so if you focus because water seeks its own level right so if you are focused on being the best person you can be one of the things i do right now is because i'm not married um is i think about the person that i want to be with and then i ask myself am i the kind of person that that person wants to be with and if the answer is no it's like man i got some work to do so focus on yourself and being the kind of person that attracts the kind of person that you want I completely agree. I've always said you attract or you date who you are. And sometimes in retrospect, you look back about who you date and you're like, oh, okay. Well, now we can see the evolution from A to B. Um, and I also heard someone say once, like, would you date yourself? And it's kind of like a very streamlined conversation of like, of course I would. And then I'm like, oh, well, this is a little extra. This might be difficult. We have to like maybe dial in a few pieces, which is okay too. I mean, it's okay to have, to recognize some, you know, spaces where growth can happen. Um, when, when, at what point did you start to build these tools? Like, did you, was the church teaching this? Did you happen to have an incredible coach or therapist or somebody that's like, here's, here's how we can navigate this situation? Uh, yeah, I learned a lot of it from church, but didn't really understand how to apply it. Um, Cause as a kid, it's just like, hey, you know, you go to church, it's just yeah. how I was raised, what I do. Um, you didn't, I didn't really internalize it completely until I really needed it. Um, I actually spent a lot of time, I was fortunate because when I was young, I fell into a company called Vector Marketing and they sell like Cutco cutlery, like the kitchen knives and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they are like super focused on personal growth. So we constantly talking about books and training on, you know, uh, personal growth topics. Like it's a big thing in that culture. So um, I was fortunate to fall into that company and spend quite a bit of time there. And, uh, you know, like the, like they say, the, you are the, average of the five people you spend the most time with. Absolutely. So um, I was surrounded, even though you know my marriage life wasn't that great, I still spent a lot of time around some pretty amazing people who were focused on becoming the best versions of themselves and lifting the people around them. Um, so I started reading a lot of books during that time. I started listening to podcasts at that time and I started really focusing on my goals. I learned how to set goals and how to take a, a vision and reverse engineer that to actionable steps that I can take today, which is super, super important. Maybe if you want to talk about, it, we can talk about it uh, later, but I, that, that is where I really gained all the tools, the foundation that I needed to start moving forward 
and developing myself. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, let's dive in. Like I said, we we we're here for the whatever wave comes in. Um, and if you want to talk about actionable goals, I think that's amazing. Reverse engineering around goals has come up a couple times, and I haven't fully unpacked it. Uh, but if you want to talk about your process and maybe a good example for someone that's listening, I think this audience, while small, is growing. I think everybody is, is at different points of evolution, and you know, as you know, as an evolved human, you know that evolution never stops. So I think even if it's like a recap on something, it's always good to hear these kinds of things over and over again because we always have to circle back and get back to this baseline of being the best version of ourselves yeah exactly so okay um let's see what would be the best way because i'm used to teaching this to salespeople, and that's easy because it's numbers <laughs> you know it's like so basically what you do is you think about okay where do you want to be five years from now and at that point that overwhelms people so they look at this big goal and they're like, oh my gosh, how in the world am I ever going to do that? Like you look at some of the things people have done in two years, they become millionaires, right? And you're like, oh, how, that, how in the world do they do that? That's not possible. So the important thing to realize is you're not, that's, that's not what you're trying to do now. Okay. Um, that's the ultimate goal. That's the vision. That's what you're walking, looking towards and moving towards, but that's not what you're focused on today. Okay. So you look at your goal and you say, okay, in order to get there, what would what would future Chris have to do to get there? Okay, well, future Chris, uh, well, first you have to define what future Chris wants, so future you, right? So for me, I actually wrote down a full day, 24 hours, my dream life five years from now, and described it in detail from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, what exactly happened. So some of the details were you know, healthy, happy family, married to the love of my life, someone who is on level with me and supports me in my goals and I support her and her goals. And we have just a great connection. Um, we are focused on our family as a unit and not his and, you know, hers and mine kind of thing. Like we are unified, which is a struggle for some people when they, you know, when it's a, a divorce situation, you know, two separate families coming together. Um, but we're unified. I'm, uh, I'm making a million dollars a month and I own a house in Colorado Springs on the mountainside and one in black forest. Um, and anyway, so I'm getting too detailed here, but I know where I'm living. I know how big my house is. I know what my kids are doing. I know what my relationship with my wife is like. I know how much money I I'm making. I know how much I'm working. I know where my office is, what it looks like. So I've got it all in super detail. And so I go backwards. I, okay. So to get that house, I need to be making this much money. Okay. To make that much money, um, I need to, uh, have a business that generates that much income or whatever. Right. So you start walking it backwards. And for me, I was like, okay, I don't want to work for someone. I need my, I, I need to be running my own business and I don't want to have to go to an office every day. So I know it needs to be remote. So I got on Google and started looking, what kind of businesses can I do from home? And I stumbled on making t-shirts, <laughs> right? Shopify, there's drop shipping. Like if you just Google uh, home-based businesses, there's lists of things you can do. And it doesn't mean you have to do that specific thing. So I took, I, I started looking at the things that, you know, resonated with me and it was either products or designing shirts was the thing that stuck out to me because I'm artistic. I like designing things, you know, so that resonated with me. I was like, all right, let's do that. Um, so I started doing that 
and that didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. It was missing something. So anyways, we're, we're talking about reverse engineering goals. So you look and you bring it back. What can I do today, right? So today I can think of a business name. That's simple, right? And just because it's the name that you choose today doesn't mean it's the name you're going to be with. You don't have to marry these ideas, but you bring it back toward what can actually be done today to get me one step closer. Um, that could be, hey, we, we actually met through PodMax, right? And that for me was a step from where I was at that, you know, um, a month or so ago. And it's like, well, what can I do to move my business forward to get me towards my, where I want to be five years from now? Well, let's start looking at getting on some podcasts because that's, that's a great way to get out there and build connections. So I Google podcasting, uh, podcast guesting, you know, being a podcast guest. And then I just, I just moved from there, right? So don't focus on the big goal. Break it down into little things, little actionable steps that you can actually do today. Um, and don't focus on, on the big thing, okay? Because actually I was just listening to audiobook. It's called The Magic of Thinking Big. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. It's I've amazing. I've not read it. And or wonderful, wonderful book. Wonderful book. Um, and one of the things that he says is that just having that big vision, that big goal helps you dictate what you're doing right now. Because if you know what your big goal is, then it's that much easier to take the little steps from day to day. It's not, it, you don't have to force yourself to get up early to go exercise. If your goal is to lose, you know, if you have a vision in your mind of a lean, strong, you know, and uh, cut physique, you don't have to, it's not as hard to say no to the soda when you go out to fast food. And that's the thing is that's where you are. I'm not saying, you know, do everything at once, cut everything out of your diet at once. It's start small, do little things. What can you do today? And uh, to start moving towards that goal. So that's 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 my advice: uh, is just take the big goal and then break it down into little things. Well, I, I think that's huge, and I think we forget how important it is to have our mindset. Um, like, I think athletes often be like, "Well, I need something to train for in order to get into shape. Like, I'll sign up for a marathon, or I'll get into you know the CrossFit Games, or whatever your goal is." People like that mindset and then you take that out of athletic world and it's kind of the same thing i want to write a book i want to have a house um i like you said colorado springs my goal would be we'll take a million dollars a month that's great uh but i would I want a house in um evergreen and just have a bunch of land for my dogs to run around i don't have to worry about a no leash law which i've had to deal with uh and just like complete freedom so that it kind of reigns in my mind and i think the one step further than that is like the vision board which i did a, a very in-depth one this year on it was supposed to be new year's eve that was a couple months late but uh i'm also on ko time but uh visualizing i try and take time every day to see what it is uh but that thought process is is so huge thank you for breaking that down i kind of threw you on the spot there. that was great no, that's okay. And like I said, it's it's a lot easier to do when you have something with like actual physical numbers. So if you are in sales, you take your goal and you break it down into that's this many sales calls, that's this many phone calls, that's this many hours of this many contacts. It's a lot easier to do with the, the physical new numbers, but the process is the same no matter what the goal is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what point were, okay, so we've, you know, kind of had the breakdown breakthrough and we're on the upswing of things. At what point were you starting this business and when did the, the, like the world's kind of intersect of personal evolution and business and now we have 101 exclusive? Um, it started back with, I, I told you I started just the t-shirt company because I was like, hey, 
I'm, I'm free. I, you know, I can, I can do whatever I want without having to tell, you know, having to get anybody's permission. So it started with the divorce and to be completely honest, it didn't start with the best motives, right? So I was pretty mad <laughs> when, when, when she left. And, uh, but that, that gave me the motivation to start moving forward. So for example, with like physical fitness, I'd never been the kind of guy to lift or, you know, go to the gym. I've always been skinny just because I was a teenager, right? Young. Um, but her leaving made me like, well, freak, you're going to, you're going to regret leaving. Dang it. <laughs> so I'm going to get freaking ripped. I'm going to get cut. And then you're going to be like, dang, I should have stayed with that guy. Um, and that was kind of like what if, I don't know if anyone else out there is like this. I'm sure some of you are, but I, my, one of my favorite things is prove them wrong. Of course. That is soup. That is just fire. That is gasoline on my fire. Prove them wrong. When I started learning to break dance, my brother was like, Chris, you look stupid. You should just stop trying. I'm like, frick, screw you. I'm going to prove you wrong. You're going to, you're going to want me to dance. And lo and behold, actually a couple of years later at a party, he was like, Hey, Chris, show I, his friends. He was like, Hey, show them, show them your dancing. I was like, that's right. <laughs> I proved you wrong. Yeah. So, wait, so, is there a video of yeah. this somewhere? I, I'm sure there's something somewhere on YouTube. No, I had a YouTube channel a while ago with like yes, a video on it, but that's, anyways. Well, I, I always say like my dream job would be like Justin Timberlake or Madonna's backup dancer because I oh, yeah? always, I did dance early on and then sports took over, but I always wanted to be like a really dope dancer. So that's hilarious that you embrace that. It's, <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, like weddings, events, like to be able to not look like a complete fool is awesome, let alone actually be kind of good, uh, especially yeah. being the white dude in the room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is definitely true. Yes. And like people look at me like, you dance? I'm like, yeah. I dance. Come on. Who do you think I am? But, uh, yeah, no, but, but the, the whole point of that is you, you tell me that I can't do something. Yeah. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Cause I'm going to freaking prove you wrong. <laughs> that's, that's how I am. Um, so anyways, that, that was my pr prove you wrong moment. And I was like, I'm, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to make my life absolutely amazing. I'm going to do everything I want to do. I don't have anyone telling me what to do. I don't have to prove myself to anyone. I'm going to do this. And I want to build a business that allows me to stay home with my kids. And I'm going to be a freaking millionaire. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And that's when I started creating my goals. Came out of that fire of prove them wrong. Right. So anyways, that's when I really got the fire. Of I'm going to be freaking successful. Um, so it started off with like I said, creating that vision of what I wanted in my life in the future and then reverse engineering it, going back to say, well, what, what kind of business allows for that kind of lifestyle? I knew I didn't want to be a one-on-one -on -one coach. Like I can do public speaking. That's fine. You know, I can go out and, uh, and go speak at events once, twice, maybe three times a month, uh, over a weekend and then have, you know, more time working on my business and being with my kids. Uh, so anyway, anyway, so that was like an element of it. I'm like, I can do this, I can do this. And then the t-shirts was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I can start making t-shirts just to start making a little money. Give me a little more freedom. Started doing that. Didn't love it. And then I was like, well, and during, this was during an election season and there's a whole bunch of venom and crap on social media. I'm like, you know, people just need to be more kind on social media. And so I started a company called how to social love. And the whole thing was about showing people how to love, like, spread love on social media instead of hatred. 
Um, and that didn't really do it for me. I'm like, well, this, I can't really monetize this very well. And if I did, it's going to take, you know, so long and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't get me where I want to go. And so, um, later on, I came up with the idea of basically what 101 is about, which is helping men gaining the tools to helping them gain the tools they need to break out of addiction and using their trials to succeed. So I came up with a company called Cage Breakers because if you think about like what a cage looks like, like a two-dimensional cage, and you turn it sideways, it's now a ladder. So it's turning your obstacles into opportunities. That was my catchphrase for that. Um, and it's all perspective, right? Because in our lives, our, our trials and things, they can either destroy us or they can elevate us. You know, when life throws a brick at you, you can cry about it and have a pile of bricks or you can use it to build a freaking staircase and, you know, elevate yourself. So that was the idea of cage breakers. And I talked to some friends about it. And one of my friends, um, I was just having trouble getting the motivation to really sink time into it. And one of my friends was like, you know what, Chris, if if you're having a hard time just even wanting to, if it's a chore to work on your business, then this isn't the right business. And it's like, ah, you're right. And I'm glad he gave, I didn't like that advice, but I'm glad he gave that advice to me. So, all right, well, I got to think of something else. And then somehow, I don't know how it happened exactly. Like it was, it was just one little layer at a time. I was still kind of doing the t-shirt thing on the side. I was like, well, what if I, what if I combine the two? How could I combine the two and make a men's clothing company where I can still use my design because I love designing stuff. So I can still use my graphic design skills and, um, and combine that with, helping people become better people. And so I was like, okay. So I just, I got a pen. I started writing down my ideas and I wrote down one of one. It's like, hmm, 101, 101, you are one of one, 101. And it's, there's 101. I'm like, I could do a limited production. This could be a premium brand where it's a limited production because and I, just all these ideas started flooding. I was just jotting them down. And I thought about, like Gucci, right? And other huge luxury brands. I'm like, I wonder how much it costs to get like a shirt from Gucci. And I Google, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> 600 bucks for a t-shirt? You get people buy this? And uh, I was like, how, what, what is this? So um, anyway, so I, and I'm like, and you can, anybody can buy this. Like if you've got the money, you can buy it. Like, I was like, I'm gonna make a freaking exclusive product that everyone's gonna want, but nobody's gonna be able to get. <laughs> 101, you're gonna be lucky if you get your hands on it. Um, because I value exclusivity. And again, this is something I started building it for me, right? I value exclusivity. I don't like seeing people with the same car as me. I don't like them seeing them wearing the same clothes as me. I, I, I just don't like it because I like being me. I like being unique and different without being weird, right? So anyways, I, I just took all these things and I started building a product and a company that I wanted um, and that would line up with, with my goals. So that's kind of how the process went. And man, my first product sucked. They were awful. <laughs> they were so ugly. And I actually still have them like the, the, um, some of the, uh, prototypes and stuff that I had printed and man, it was a journey. But the, th the important thing here is that, um, for those of you listening, the pro the idea you start with is not going to be the idea you land on. So don't wait for a perfect idea or a perfect process or anything like that. Just do something, anything. Um, my recommendation is if, if you just have a business name in your mind, freaking get that, buy the domain. Go and draw a logo on a piece of paper, even if it looks like crap, 
write down what you want your business to be. Just do like I did, just start jotting down ideas. The thing is, once it gets out of your head and into something physical, it becomes real. And you're taking steps. That's the important thing. You, you're not going to gain any moment, momentum without any motion. So start taking some motion, and that motion will build and grow over time. And honestly, it doesn't matter if your product sucks because nobody's going to see it. Right, right. Well, you got to like, start. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when you first come out, you're not going to be this hit success that comes out of nowhere. Nobody has done that. It takes time. It, you're going to fail a lot. Learn from those failures. The worst thing that could happen is that you have a hit, huge product, and then you make some really stupid mistake, some beginner mistake, and it just destroys everything. That's probably not going to happen, but be grateful that you know your business isn't super successful right out the gate because you need to learn. You need to learn these experience, these lessons, and you're, the only way you're going to learn it is by making mistakes. So be grateful for the opportunity opportunity to make mistakes without having serious consequences. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I mean, anyone knows, particularly entrepreneurs, uh, even, you know, parents, uh, I'm a dog parent, so <laughs> mildly uh, connected here. You, you know that you sometimes there is no answer until you do fail and then you figured out what the answer is. It didn't even exist yet. So you have to do this trial and error and failure. And you have to understand that like humans, your brand, your service, your company is going to evolve. And because it's not just about your company, consumers, community, the world is evolving and changing. So it's got to not just evolve now, 10 years from now, you need to keep evolving because things, the environment it's in changes. So you, I think that mindset of just being open and being ready to evolve as things come in is, is really critical. Um, and I also think just like you said, you know, put the name down, putting it just in the consciousness that this is what you want to do. And I, I, I would consider myself a creative as well, but the moment I have taken steps to like sit down with a pen and paper and you're consciously open, that's when it all just somehow floods in. And that sounds crazy. And people want like, you know, a, a very concise one, two, three, four, five step. Sometimes just sitting there and it will come through you. It's crazy. Exactly. It's not a lightning bolt. It's like an electrical wire connected to a generator that <laughs> you hold right, on and it right. slowly starts to generate electricity and then you light up. So yeah, just, just be patient. It takes time. Just get it out there. Start doing something now. Completely agree. So how long, how old is 101 exclusive? It's a year and a half old. Okay. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. still pretty new. Yeah. Um, and you've had, I mean, I looked at your site, you've had quite a few shirts come out. Tell us how, you know, you really started to dial in like specific messaging. You found the artists, like tell us the specifics around the brand and why it is what it is today. Yeah, sure. And, um, so I mostly work with independent contractors because, um, I actually ran a marketing company a long time ago and paying employees is like the worst thing in the world. It's such a pain. Oh my gosh, the taxes for those of you that are employees, you have no idea how much it costs to employ you. Like it is super expensive to have employees. So I intentionally have independent contractors um, because also it gives them more freedom too. I like working with other business owners and an independent contractor is a business owner. So independent contractors, I actually um, started getting designs through 99designs, sure. which is a great company. You can do online, you put out just kind of what your idea is and then other people put in their, uh, their ideas. They actually put stuff together, post it up there. You can rate it, give them feedback. Um, and so you get all these designs to choose from, which is nice. Uh, the only downside is there it's, it's very, it's a limited time frame, So you can't really go deep with an individual designer, right. but it gives you a, a plethora of ideas. So in my situation, that was perfect because I didn't really know exactly what the design kind of the brand, 
would look like as far as aesthetics for the shirts goes. Uh, but as I started seeing designs, I was like, yeah, definitely not that. And definitely not that. Definitely not that. So doing that through um, a community like 99designs was very educational for me to help me figure out more about what I wanted for the brand and narrowing narrowing in on that. So um, it's not super expensive. I think I, I think I paid like 500 bucks for the design, but that was for a bunch of people. Okay, I've heard they're pretty, um, they're a great starting point, whether you're looking for a logo, design specifics, uh, and mm -hmm. I've heard they're pretty affordable. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if you wanna go like super cheap, go to Fiverr. Fiverr's got a lot of people that do stuff for super, super, super cheap. Um, but again, my experience with that was, it wasn't a lot of original artwork. It was like, hey, here's a vector image that I purchased on some online website that I modified to fit your brand. So, no, I want I want original artwork. I want some. I don't want um, the same image. You know that chive on thing. I don't. I don't. I don't want that adapted to my brand. You know, right, right. I want something original and different. So, I've done a lot of the design work for the shirts. I've hired some designers to do design work for that. Um, I use Shopify for our website. Um, it's all powered through there because um, they give a lot of tools for online uh, product sales for people that aren't entirely familiar with it. So I've got a lot of tutorials and stuff. Great. I can't say enough about Shopify's customer service. They are fantastic. Any questions you have? And actually one of the guys I got, he uh, obviously had some mar marketing chops because we were just talking marketing ideas for like almost an hour. He's like, oh, I love your brand. You can do this and you can do this. Have you ever tried this? You know, so love Shopify. Um, I use them. And then I do all the fulfillment in-house. So we use third-party vendors to get the shirts. And um, we actually have someone locally that produces the designs like physically and gets them on the shirts. And then I actually review everything and we do fulfillment here. And I also use um, Alibaba for uh, the metal tags. Every shirt comes with a certificate of authenticity. It's a metal tag to prove that this is an authentic 101 product that I sign and it's numbered. You, so you know which number shirt you have out of the 101. Um, and it has your name on it and everything. So this is the shirt. This is the number. This is your name. And then this is my signature saying that this is authentic. Um, so that way in the future, when we open up our marketplace, helps me verify authenticity for people that want to resell the product. Um, because once it's gone, it's gone. And so then since this is a collector's product, there's gonna, we're gonna open a marketplace that um, allows us to reauthenticate and reproduce or resell the shirts between you know the peers, just to make sure that they're not selling fakes, if that makes sense. So anyways, but that's kind of the process. That's what, what we're doing right now. And that's how I run the business. Very cool. And apparel is, it's its kind of a jungle. We did my initial business, Colorado Rising Stars Lacrosse. We did some team sales. So then I dove into a little bit on the fashion side and designing. I'm not super savvy on computer design, but I, I kind of know what I like. So we would print our own things. Um, how do you, tell me a little bit of the t-shirts themselves. How did you source the material or is it like premium cotton or how did you select what the t-shirts would actually be made out of? Yeah, it's a cotton poly blend. It's like 60, 40. And uh, I actually went and physically, the person that does the, uh, the local company that does the design for me, um, they had an array of different shirts and products and stuff that I could look at. And so that's how I found out what material I wanted to use. And then from there, it was just a matter of, you know, working with the supplier to 
make sure that we're getting all the right sizing and everything like that. And I like these shirts because like it's, it's designed for men. Right. And so I like it where it, it cuts off like just below the deltoid, you know, kind of in between the bicep and the deltoid area. So it's not like a low sleeve and it, it fits well across the chest and it kind of tapers in at the, at the waist and then out at the bottom. So it's, it's, a, it's a great fitting shirt for people that are, um, you know, in, in pretty good physical shape, but you don't have to be in great physical shape either. Um, so, and I, obviously it actually does change with the sizes. Whoops. I just hit my microphone. Uh, but it does change with the sizes. Um, but that's, that's kind of how I, I went about it is I found out what I wanted and I'm like, you know, these are the, you know, this is the dimensions this is what I'm looking for. And eventually I ended up with a shirt that I love the fit for. And I love the feel. Oh my gosh. Oh, little tip for those of you in that don't know a lot about t-shirts. Don't be fooled by people claiming, oh, Egyptian cotton. Oh, this, you know, go buy what feels good to you because freaking cotton is cotton, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So if you're buying a shirt for $1,000 or $50 or whatever, a lot of it's the material. And, you, you know, the luxury brands know this. The amount of money it costs to produce a shirt for a luxury brand is probably like 10 bucks. And then they sell it for like six, 700 bucks. So realize that when you're buying these shirts, you're not buying it for the shirt, right? Like there gets a point where you're not buying it for the product itself. You're buying it for some other reason. Um, and for those of you that run businesses, I'm sure you understand this. If you don't understand this, it's a really important thing. So listen up understand why people buy things. It's emotional. People buy things because they want to have a certain image. They want to belong to a certain group. It's about the intrinsic values. If people were buying, in my case, if they were buying clothes because they needed a shirt, they would go to Walmart and buy the cheapest freaking shirt they can get, right? I'm not selling shirts. I'm selling an outward expression of an inward commitment to be the best freaking man you can be and to have that affirmation on your freaking chest. So every time you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm awesome. I deserve better. I'm going to push harder. Like this shirt right now that I'm wearing, the fighter, I'm wearing this one right now because when we're done, I'm going to the gym. And every time I see myself in all those mirrors, when I wear this shirt, I'm like, frick, I'm going to push even harder. Like it actually motivates me to push harder and to do better in the gym so I can get better results. And that's, that's why I, you know, that's what this product is all about. And so when you're a business owner, think about why would people buy your product? What are you selling and focus on that? Cause it's not actually the product. People don't give a crap about you or your product. They care about themselves. So focus on giving them what they want. I love it. And that, that's, is, uh, you know, marketing and branding world. I think the word branding is, is, you know, be a brand, create your brand. I mean, it's way overused at this point. Everything's a brand now. Everyone wants to be a brand and that's fine. It, it, to me, it's just like how you package something, but really that's what it is. People buy the brand regardless of the quality of the product, which is kind of a different conversation because you should still demand quality. Uh, but they want to be, like you said, a part of that community represent a certain way. And I often think fashion is under, uh, looked at as point of influence because the way you dress is a huge piece of expression what you choose to wear, how you choose to wear it. Um, fit is a huge piece. Anyone that's a Lululemon customer, you can buy the exact same pants for 10 years, you know, from now to 10 years later. And it's just made the same way. It fits the same way. And anyone that's picky on how they work out or what have you, or a nice suit, when it's something, when a company does a good job and it fits a certain way and you know that quality, 
you'll have repeat customer and then the brand ethos come into it. So there's all this psychology around it. And you recognize the power in what you're wearing and what your messages are without having a conversation with somebody walking down the street are super, super powerful. In addition to seeing yourself in the mirror or knowing, you know, how you walk around with maybe, you know, a little taller, a little bit more confident because you also know you're representing what you're wearing. Like, you know, people see it. And so it kind of holds you almost accountable. Um, it's a really powerful situation. Uh, and I, I got to know, have you, because we've, we, we champion, I'm from KO Alliance, my little consulting company. We're really good at strategic partnerships, meaning if we're working with a shirt company, we partner with them directly. If we're working with a printer, we partner with them. Like we really try and work to build a team. Um, when you are sourcing your apparel, this is more a business question than a branding question. But did you work with a company directly, like um, the actual manufacturer, like Next Level or something, uh, to source shirts? Or are you actually making them? Oh, no, I work with the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because okay. Yep. that can be all, and, and a lot of these guys have gotten so savvy, it makes it rarely makes sense not to, but some people like to have their own situation. Um, yeah. And actually, the thing is, I don't even have to myself really work directly with them because the person that I do that, like I said, does my designs, my local person, she works with them for me. So it's a great position. It's a great situation for us because she understands all of that stuff a lot better than I do. And she is a big fan of what we are all about. And I've worked with her on other projects for other things. But um, yeah, I, I have a great relationship with her. And so she is a good advocate for me with the manufacturer. That's amazing. Um, another key business detail is find people that actually believe in what you're doing and not just there to collect a paycheck because that'll make all the difference in the world. And sometimes that can be hard to find, uh, but it's well worth the wait and the digging for the right human uh, teammate to make that move forward. Uh, random fact, I back in the day, I actually looked for manufacturers and we're in Colorado, so it's not like we're in New York or LA where this is everywhere. There is one or there was about six years ago um, by Commerce City. And I went there, I looked at the materials, how to source it, the whole thing. And just like you said, it's a jungle. You really do need to know a lot, but it's, it's pretty tough nowadays. Uh, any fashion designers that are looking out there, it's doable a thousand percent. However, the sort, the opportunities and things around you, some of these bigger manufacturers are pretty phenomenal setups that can accommodate any sort of human. So this is random one of wannabe fashion entrepreneurs. Um, so now that the brand is off and running and you're in, a, you're, you're in it for a year and a half right now, what are some immediate goals for the brand, the message uh, for like next six months to a year? Uh, mostly it's just marketing stuff, um, getting out and getting on more podcasts. Um, I do also do public speaking and stuff like that for like, not for the company per se, but more for sharing the message and helping people get out of the darkness that they're in. Um, and, you know, it's... So there's those two things, like I said, they go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, mostly just focus on focusing on the marketing side of it. And I'm working with a lot of influencers. So influencer marketing is really big for us right now. Um, we're really trying to ramp that up. So if anyone on the podcast that's listening is an influencer um, for fashion or entrepreneurship, let me know. And uh, I will definitely chat with you about that. Same thing with the speaking stuff. Um, I can't guarantee that we'll actually necessarily work together, but I can guarantee that I will have a conversation. And one pet peeve, going on a podcast and someone's like, oh yeah, hit me up on Instagram and blah, blah. You send them a message and they never respond. I think that is the most disingenuous load of crap. So if I say, reach out to me and I will respond, I can guarantee you that I will respond as long as it's not a sales pitch. 
if you're like, hey, buy this product or hey, let me do your marketing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ignore you unless I specifically need, which I don't right now, by the way. Right. Um, but if, if you're genuinely looking to like, like I said, partner or you have feedback or anything like that, I will respond to you, I will read it, I will respond. Period. I love it. And I hope some of our strong men out there, even like moms of, of boys or what have you, reach out and connect. Because again, I want this conversation to further around um, men's health, men's wellness, yeah. uh, men's empathy and sympathy, the whole night. I think it's huge. We do a ton with influencer marketing. And I always say it's a major asterisk because if social media is the wild west anyways, the way influencers are ha happening are kind of crazy. I actually printed shirts that said influencer because it was so overused and I just thought it was ridiculous. So we just embraced it and, you know, wanted to kick it around. Um, it, and when you're doing that, you really have to figure out how to build a mutually beneficial relationship outside of just like, oh, you have a million followers, wear my shirt, tag me. Like it's so, it's an in-depth conversation and it's a really incredibly cost and time effect time effective way to market because if you do have the right human that has the right audience and they, you know, they know how to cultivate the right relationships and they're not saturating their audience with too many messages, it can be a really great way to facilitate a mutually beneficial relationship. Exactly. And you actually had someone on your podcast recently. I am so bad with names. What was his name? He's 23. Podcast you. Yeah, Trevor Oldham. He was Trevor. He was at Podmax um, as well. And yeah. Young human entrepreneur, crushing it. Uh, I'm just—I just started reading his book, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, he's—he's he's in the mix, and he's doing similar sales and working the influencer game, and similar conversation. Yeah, because he—he specifically mentioned some of the things that he did with uh, his company, like with selling products from Alibaba and stuff, and reaching out to people. And yeah, it's—it's. It's, I think it's a really important thing for anyone with a physical product or any company. Find find some influencers. It's really cool. I, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. You meet some really cool people. Same thing with podcasting. It's such an amazing community. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that I am part of this community now. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. If you know, I would just always say, you know, if you need to know how to filter the certain kind of people, but I think once yeah. you take a lap around the track, you get it pretty fast and you recognize who's a fit and who's not. Uh, but there's a plethora of opportunity. The cool thing is that everybody's looking to work at home or work with great people. So I think the mindset is really open right now. And they're really not only excited to work about work with a company or a product or service, but they're super excited about the social consciousness that, that works alongside a company, something that's very mission driven, that has, you know, a point beyond just sales. Our young humans are savvy and they know how to get to the details. And I always, whenever I sit down with a company, I'm like, all right, what's, do you work with a charity? Do you have a mission? Do you, is there something and to your, you know, product service, whatever you're doing, like we need that extra piece. And if it's not there, we usually don't work with them. We kind of filtered out mission driven companies from the get go. Uh, but our young people, I think it's huge and they really get the joke and they want to be part of these things. So I think it should be an easy conversation for situations like yours. Uh, once you get the hang of it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like money is not a mission <laughs> by the way. Um, but speaking of which that actually reminded me of one other thing. I don't know how I'm, failed to mention this when you asked about like kind of where we're going. Um, if you have a story, if you're a man and you have a story of a success story of getting out of addiction, getting out of darkness, overcoming a trial, reach out to me and share that. Uh, you can get me on Instagram or Facebook or email me any of those. I am definitely a big fan. One of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do right now is collect stories of men who are not afraid to share those stories because when you are in your addiction, like you feel alone and 
it really thrives on secrecy, right? So when you open up and share your stories with people, it gives them strength and you'll actually be surprised at how many other people have a very similar story. I guarantee that everyone you have talked to, everyone you run into has a story, but a lot of them are just skeletons in their closet that they haven't exposed because they don't feel safe enough to do it. So that's one of the things I want to change is I want to change the, the conversation behind addiction and change it from being one of those things that is, um, taboo. I don't know if that's the right term, but like turn it into something that we are open to talking about because once you shine the light on something, it becomes a heck of a lot less scary and it becomes a lot more, um, manageable. I believe that recovery would be a lot easier to do for people that are in addiction if they knew how many people have been through it and made it out. So please share your stories with me. It's one of the things I want to do on my blog is start sharing the stories of other men who have successfully navigated through those trials. I, I agree. I think it brings a really human element to hear someone else's story. And the more things are shared, the more we let go of that stigma. Because again, nothing is more than you know applied meaning. So if we switch that meaning of addiction to recovery, and then you can understand the resiliency in that and the power and like the badge of honor it really is, uh, you really, you change the narrative of so many things and then you open up the door for people to talk about it. And then I think in turn, you actually have less people going through addiction because they've ideally dealt with the problem prior to getting to that state. Um, I'm certainly not a doctor, but I'm just putting wishes into the universe. <laughs> we need more good wishes like that. Yes, we do. <laughs> you have like one story you want to share outside of your own of somebody maybe that's like, I love this brand, this came to us, this helped me change or anything like that. I don't have permission to share any story right now. I can say that I have had some very good conversations with some very amazing men and you would be surprised. Um, oh, I can tell you, uh, no, no, no worries. Like Larry, I was on Larry Roberts show and my podcast with him is supposed to be coming out. I thought it was coming out tomorrow. It might be coming out tomorrow. Anyways, um, but he was talking about, um, his struggle with alcohol and how, when he got into rehab, he was like right at that point where he was going to be gone, like gone for good. Um, and because of, you know, the help of his wife and a couple other key people, like he was able to, to get the help he needed and recover. Um, so, and if you look at Larry now, you'd be like, really like Larry struggled with this. Um, and I have some good friends, same thing, like successful men, like, wow, really? Those guys struggled with this. It's, it's very eye-opening, and that's why I want more men to share that. And the reason I say men is we're a men's personal growth company, but men are taught to not have emotion, to not be vulnerable. You need to bottle everything up. You need to freaking man up. And my definition of manning up is a lot different than what most people think of. Um, because vulnerability, and Tony said this when I was on his podcast, Tony Watley at 365 Driven, he said, vulnerability is confidence. And if men, manning up is doing hard things. It is not hard to hide your, your trials. It is not hard to hide your emotions. It's very hard to be vulnerable. It's very hard to be open and honest about how you're feeling about the struggles you've been through men do hard things we are tough man up 
and open up. That is what I believe. And so anyways, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> well, I, I love that. And I think those are all really great stories. Ironically, when I went to, um, uh, PodFest, one of the first people I met was Larry randomly. Like they were all at a sitting at a table and another podcaster I was meeting up with, we hadn't met cause no one really knew each other. Uh, were there and she was on the other side of the table and Larry was, so I sat next down to down next to him and he, we just started talking and then he brought me into, uh, Podmax Live, and he's just been such a bright light and such a positive person, uh, and he crushes the podcast game, obviously. But um, yeah, his his story is pretty amazing, and where he came and what he's doing now is uh, a pretty phenomenal example of resilience. And uh, he's also hilarious, and he's got a quick wit. He'll- yeah, I love I love I love Larry. He's super cool. And for I don't know if we mentioned it's Larry Roberts. Yes. He's the host for the Redly Random podcast, but. So cool. Such a good guy. And look at this. I'm talking to some other amazing person right now. We try. We're out here. Yeah. It's evolving. Um, it's amazing. Speaking of amazing people, I want to just cover a little bit on uh, being a parent and maybe how you, like you spoke earlier about affirmations. How, what kind of conversation are you um, exposing your young boys to at this point? I don't, how old are they? Uh, eight and 11. Eight and eleven. Okay, so at this point, you can kind of start to have some deeper conversations. Um, do you get into intentional, like men's wellness and uh, emotional awareness, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I always tell them that it's okay. It's okay to be, you know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. Um, the important thing with the anger side is you can't let it, you know, can't let it consume you. Acknowledge that it's there, and then you know, take some deep breaths, let it go, and never never act when you're angry, never act when you're angry because um, actions clouded by any very strong emotion are usually not good actions. Um, they end up being something that you regret doing. So uh, they, they're boys, they're young. So sometimes they have trouble keeping their hands to themselves. <laughs> so I always tell Titus and Damon, if you get angry, you walk away. You don't touch anyone when you're angry. So that's a very specific thing. But uh, so we do the affirmations. Um, one of the big things that I try to teach them is that everyone makes mistakes. So when I make a mistake, I make sure to always apologize to them and let them know that, you know, you know Titus, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, Daddy made a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. What matters is that we try to fix them and then we move on from that. So that way when they make a mistake like last night with Titus and, and the laptop, uh, I told I told him, everyone makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. It's okay. Doesn't make you a bad person. You're an amazing person. You gotta love yourself. So teaching self-love, um, the importance of taking responsibility. Uh, so they have a list of things they need to do before they play their video games or watch TV or go outside. Um, because I wanna make sure that they know that, hey, once you've done everything you're supposed to do, you can do anything you want, whatever you want, as long as you do what is important first. So that's another thing I try to teach is responsibilities before play, but then have at it, do whatever. Um, and yeah, the big, the, the, the one rule that we have in our house, other than like doing responsibilities is be kind. That's it. I just try to teach them to be kind. So I think that's, that's where we're huge. at. Are they involved in sports at all or theater or any sort of like group stuff? I tried. <laughs> I, I really tried. Um, but it's, sports now is so crazy. 
like my kids, my son, Damon, when he was six, um, I tried to get him into basketball, got him into a program. And these kids had been playing for like three, four years already. So the drills for basketball were basically like how to set a pick, how to pass, how to move on the court, how to dribble. You dribble and do your little side shuffle thing and pass, dribble, shuffle, pass, dribble, shuffle. I'm like, he can't even dribble the ball. So what ended up happening was he would always act really silly out there. I'm like, Damon, go, you know, go do it. Go, go play, Um, go practice. And he wouldn't do it. And I found out later that the reason he wasn't doing it is because he didn't know what he was doing and he wasn't being taught what to do. So he just screwed around. That was his coping mechanism. Um, And he thought that he had to play basketball. I'm a big basketball player. I love basketball. Um, And I was trying to give him what I never got. I never got to have coaching or anything like that. So everything I do is self-taught. I played one year on an actual basketball team, but I love it. Um, And so I was trying to give that to him, at least the opportunity to, to do sport. And he told my mom that he had to do basketball because um, because dad wants me to do basketball. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not, it's not why we're doing it. So I took him out of it. I'm like, bud, I just want to help you do whatever you want to do. If you have an interest in something, I'll, I'll help you help you do that. So haven't done any sports cause they just haven't expressed any interest in it. And I don't want to force them into something that they feel like they're doing for me. I want them to be doing it for themselves. For sure. Well, it doesn't, and I'm, I'm such a big believer in fostering life skills through sports. That was one of our main initiatives in my first lacrosse company um, mm-hmm. because it was traditionally a white, rich kid sport, but I saw how much it provided for me, particularly as a young female taking me all over the world, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't have to be sports. Like I said, theater, any sort of group where you can sort of mimic these uh, skill sets of like commitment and teamwork and getting along with people maybe you wouldn't otherwise choose to hang out with. Uh, all these little things are such phenomenal ways to kind of cultivate a young human again with these skill sets to, to address things early on. Yeah, I guess we, they did scouts for a while. Okay. Um, not in scouts anymore. So as of right now, the answer is no. Um, I, that is a shortcoming that I didn't think about. That's something that I need to think more seriously about. So I'm glad you brought it up because that actually helps me <laughs> as a dad. So I certainly wasn't here as a non-parent <laughs> to, to critique parents. Um, no, 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 no. That's, it's, it's true. It's definitely a good thing. And that's that's the thing is you gotta be open and this is a tangent but you gotta be open to to recognizing when you're doing something wrong right when something needs to be improved again don't stick your head in the sand when you recognize something needs to be done even if it comes uh from a podcast um interview then you know you you take it and try to implement it but that's something i didn't realize that I was not doing that I probably should be doing. So thank you for bringing it up. Hey, well, I'm here for you. I'll embrace you accordingly. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, I mean, maybe it's reading some kids or maybe it's drawing. Like it, it, sometimes it just comes out in these weird things. And I only say this because I, again, we coach, I coached uh, varsity lacrosse for nine years and then we had camps forever. So I, I really got to see how young kids learn they into it or not. But there was always passion somewhere. And it was just, for me as a coach, I would try and find where that passion was, even if it wasn't on the lacrosse field, just so I had some common ground to again teach some of these lessons lessons versus being like here this is what commitment is this is teamwork 
but on the flip side, I also want to champion you as a parent, you know, taking these, the time to explain what things are. And this is why I'm saying, I'm sorry, this is why I'm saying what it is. I think it's always a deeply awakening moment when you get older and you're like, oh, you realize your parents are human, your coaches are human. And you're like, wait, 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 you, I thought you knew everything. And then you figure out and you're like, oh, you actually know a lot less <laughs> than I thought. Um, I'm kind of questioning things. I, I just think that human element is is really critical, whether it's coming from a coach or directly from a parent. Um, so I'll give you a, the gold star there because uh, I think that's critical. I'll put that gold star on my mirror. There you go. I'll look at it every day. <laughs> from a non-parent. So, you know, take it as you will. Take it as you will. Um, well, I, I love this. I think that's really amazing. I think this conversation is incredibly important. Uh, are you seeking out any other platforms, like exercising your voice around, like what other things you said, podcast, public speaking, um, what other platforms are you looking for to really get out this message? Uh, blogging is something that I am trying to do. By trying, I mean, I write a single blog post for two months straight and then finally publish it. Uh, so uh, blogging is something I want to do. I just don't seem to have the bandwidth for it yet. Um, I would love to start a podcast. Oh my gosh, I'd love to start a podcast. But again, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a bandwidth issue. And that's the thing is with blogging and running a podcast, you gotta be consistent. You gotta be ready and able to put in the energy and the time um, to do it. So at this point, until I start outsourcing more responsibility, um, I'm, those are things I want to do, but I won't be doing yet. Not yet, but at some point, yes, I am going to be doing it. And some of you that are veterans in the entrepreneurial world are like, Chris, you just said yet. Like, I have not, I'm not doing it yet. You need to give it a specific date that you're going to do it by, and you are correct. I will set a date for each of those things, um, and I will work towards that. But, yeah, I just... I'm, 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 I haven't set a date yet and I will do that. I will set a date by the end of this week. How about that? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I've actually really worked with working on like space and grace and all things happen in due time. Cause I do think you have to show up. You need to be intentional with what you want and you have to have respect in knowing that all things really do have their time. And as much as, you know, we say yes to a million things or, you know, we try and force it or make it work or get the project going now sometimes it is just that awareness of like breathe it'll come like the right time will come when you're ready to sit down with that paper and the ideas flow through uh, the podcast happen i mean it's uh, i i'm probably like you where it's like i want to do this i'm going to do it now i know i don't have the time but we're going to do it and i've learned the hard way so many times where it's like honestly like let's just breathe be intentional be aware and be committed and know that when it is the right time and when it's not like i, I think there's just two sides to it yeah you need to focus tim ferris says this all the time or it's not Tim Ferriss. Who is it? John Lee Dumas. Focus. Follow one course until success. F-O-C-U-S. Follow one course until success. So that's what I'm trying to do. It is on my list, but I'm trying to focus <laughs> right now and then have, I do need to set dates for those other things. Um, so that'll light a fire under my butt a little bit more to get the crap done that I need to get done. <laughs> I, I, I want to know the date when you're making million dollars a month. Like I'm here for Oh that. my gosh. Then, I'll, then I then I want to know the reverse engineering specifically to that so we can put that on. Well, it's um, got to be in 5 years. It's got to be in 5 years. Okay. Uh, it's actually it's actually 4 years now. So I got okay. 4 years left to to make that a reality. But it'll happen. It'll happen. I hope in 5 years a million dollars is still a lot of money. 
I don't want to crap on yeah. here. <laughs> it's like, by the way, Chris, you're making a million dollars a month, but hyperinflation, yeah. that million yeah. dollars gets you. Yeah. Well, I guess Red. if you live in California, you're like, yeah, that's a 200,000 square foot house. Or not a 200,000, that's a 2,000 square foot house. Yeah, it's, it's no, a I'm just, I think yeah. five years, you'll still be good with a million dollars a month. You might need to up it a little <laughs> bit at some point, but I have faith that's still significant. Hey, that's just my five-year plan. Hey, okay. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy Microsoft. No, <laughs> no, actually, uh, speaking of another book, Rejection Proof, that was his goal when he was like a little kid. He told his parents he was gonna buy Microsoft. Obviously, he didn't, but that's another great book if you're if you're afraid of rejection. So anyway, sorry, that was random. No, I, I love that. I think it's all, I mean, rejection is obviously a huge piece of so many puzzles. Um, but all these books, it's so good. I did uh, PodMax Live, um, one of my guys, he actually had overcome addiction. I should connect if you guys haven't connected. He works, I think, with PodMax. Justin um, uh, Balloonsot. I don't think I met Justin. Oh, I have to link you guys. He's amazing. Cool. And he works with, uh, Devin is his fiance that does PodMax. Anyways. Uh, I know Devin. I have connected with Devin. I just haven't met Justin. Oh, okay. Well, you should ping her and be like, connect me with your fiance. He was amazing. And we cool. talked about, but he listed a bunch of books and I, um, actually, no, I just explained to him and it wasn't, it was a different guy I interviewed. Either way, one book a month they committed to. And I'm like, I'm committing to that. Cause I have like stacks of books that I need to get on and get through. Cause you, there's a wealth of knowledge out there. You just, you can't pack it in fast enough. Yep, I do audiobooks okay. because sitting and reading is very, very hard for me. And that's the thing is you got to know yourself. So however you can get the right information, like speaking of the blog post that I actually did do is about getting out of darkness is one of the big things is introducing light. Since like you said earlier, environment, talking about environment, a lot of people can't control their environment because they're young. You're stuck living with your parents or, um, there's a million and one different situations you could be in, but you may not be able to control your environment completely. So you need to bring in as much light as you possibly can. So you can do that through books. You can do that through podcasts. Um, that, you do that through uplifting music. There's a lot of different things. You can join clubs. So trying to bring as much light into your environment as possible. But podcasts are a great way to do that. And know yourself. If you're not good at reading and you're like all these books, yeah, but I... Reading's never been a strong suit for me. I have, you know, I dropped out of high school when I was a sophomore and, you know, I was in an inner city school district where they just passed you anyways and I technically flunked every grade. You know, I don't read well. Say, that's fine. Audiobooks are awesome. Podcasts are awesome. YouTube videos are awesome. There's so many. We are so freaking blessed this this time we live in is amazing amazing you can learn anything you want just by getting on your phone or on the internet if you don't have a computer public library has the internet and you can go there um it's information is available everywhere so you can choose to bring light into your life just by you know changing the media that you bring into your life so uh, that's one big tip for people that I think really helps is, is fill your brain with good stuff. Stop absorbing crap and start yeah. putting good stuff in there. No, I completely agree with that. And, and knowing like how you learn and how you learn well. Um, cause like you, I'm an okay reader, but like not great. And I'll fall asleep just cause it's, it's not my vibe, but listening's great. Um, I'm okay. I, you can do that so long as it's not cutting into your turmeric and tequila listening time. <laughs> Otherwise, you got full permission. Um, but no, I think Priorities. it's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> 
you know, then you can multitask if you're driving and you're, or doing some other things, cleaning the house. Uh, but I think that's really wise just to recognize how you learn and absorb information is critical. Um, yeah, absolutely. Driving is a great time. I did a calculation the other day and I figured out that outside of work, so outside of work hours, um, I have put in 5,700-ish hours of personal growth time over the last 10 years. So that's an hour and a half a day on average for 10 years. And that all came from driving, being in the car. Um, in the morning when I get up, listening to something on my phone while I'm getting dressed in the shower, it's on, it's on my phone. So um, not having time is not a good excuse because you can. there's a lot of times that you can just turn a podcast on on your phone and listen to it while you're doing other things. Yeah. My only thing with that is that I love music so much. I sometimes I'm like, listen to some cat, you know, you got to listen to this, but I'm like, but I really want to hear Justin Timberlake or whatever. Um, and so that's my only thing with the audio portion is like, I sometimes I just always go to music, uh, but equally as motivational sometimes depending. Yeah, on it definitely can be very uplifting. <laughs> oh, but it can be sneaky too. Like there can be some pretty negative crap in some of the music. That's one thing guys in music. I love music too. But some of the songs I used to listen to, I'm like, are they? Because I, I, I never paid attention to the words, you know, in high school and stuff. I'm listening to it now. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, oh, if I could tell I, you the deep ironies, like we listen to Easy E and I unpack some of the content now, and I'm like, okay, glad I'm like, you know, out here for equal rights because this is not what it's talking about. So yes, mm -hmm. you're right. There's a major filter that needs to be alongside that. Yeah, be careful. Just be careful what you're putting in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, we could continue on. I want to be mindful of your time and energy. Um, I love what you're doing. I love that you have two young humans in your life that you can help uh, groom to go out there and be future leaders because that's what we need right now more than ever. Uh, where do our listeners find you? Hit me with website, Instagram, anything you want to share. Oh, yeah. Um, website is 101exclusive. That's 1-O-H-1-exclusive.com. Um, same thing with Instagram, Instagram at 101 exclusive, 10H1 exclusive. Um, same thing with Facebook. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I don't really use LinkedIn though. And you can message me there. I'll use it. I'm not a fan of LinkedIn, but you can find me there. You'll probably find some old information there too. Um, email, email me, feel free. Uh, it's Chris with a K, K-R-I-S at 101exclusive.com. And yeah, so anything you need, just give me a shout and I will respond. I love it. I love that you open up the platform and, you know, before things are a big deal, it's really cool when the founder of something is still accessible. Uh, that's the time to jump in. And I hope some of, I have some incredible men in my network, in my life. I hope one, at least one of them reaches out to you to talk about their journey because I can name a few. Maybe I'll nudge them. Uh, but they're certainly worthy of uh, a conversation and uh, potentially, you know, sharing a story on your future podcast or something along those lines. Absolutely. I love networking and connecting. Um, one ask, one ask for your audience. Yes. If you're a parent, think of one thing you can do to be a better parent, please. Because like what you said with, with the rising generation, um, they, they are everything for the future. So do anything, do something, one small thing that you can change in your life to be a better parent and raise some freaking awesome kids because um, that's, we, we really, really need that. We need some amazing people. Very well said. I, I can, I mean, it's election year. There's so many things we can argue over, but bottom line, we need some 
really quality varsity humans coming up um, that will shapeshift things. And I have so much faith in our young people and their ability to cipher through, you know, some negative things and find the positive. Uh, and you beat me to the punch. I was going to say, do you have any one parting words or oh. any other words of advice? And I'm like, you step ahead, man. To your podcast, you're already, you're already out here. You already know what's up. Um, oh, man. Do you have like a favorite quote or any one piece of uh, commentary or inspiration that you want to leave us with? Yeah. Um, which, okay. I think the one that right now feels like the most relevant for our conversation is that you need to be kind to the people you meet. If you, okay, my, one of my favorite quotes is, if you treat everyone that you meet like they're going through the fight of their lives, you will be right more than half of the time. So just understand that you don't know what's going on in people's lives. So treat them with kindness because they may be struggling with something deep and dark and hard and you have no idea. Your flipping them off in traffic may be the thing that tilts them to commit suicide. I get people get that dark. So please be kind and give people benefit of the doubt. People are generally good, but we get scarred and we go through dark things. So please be kind. I, I think that's really well said, especially right now. Uh, I really appreciate your openness, your vulnerability, the, your mission. Like I said, being a, a strong and evolving parent is critical. Um, so I, I really genuinely appreciate what you're doing. And thank you for coming on to share with us at Turmeric and Tequila. Um, let's My keep pleasure. in touch. Hopefully Absolutely. things will, will clear out, pandemic will end, studio will be done, and we'll meet in person and we can potentially recast or just catch up at very minimum. Absolutely. That'd be a blast. I'm excited to see your studio. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's I don't wanna I don't wanna gas it up too much because it's it's work in progress, but it's a fun little situation for sure. Nice. Did you end up doing cause the guys that you said were doing the uh, the sound dampening stuff. Did you end up getting your your logo on one of the panels? No. So I no, you didn't got, do that. Okay. Well, the studio, you can't really see it. I've got panels up now, but it's like mm -hmm. hard concrete. Again, everything's eighteen eighty six, so it's like old school stuff. So I couldn't really like it doesn't hang well. Like I've got light things mm. on there, but I bought the panels that go on the ceiling that stick um, like against wood, so it'll just line my entire roof because I've got nice. like a vaulted ceiling on it. So it looks cool, but it's not ideal for recording. Um, <laughs> So it's good for right now. And they, they were phenomenal. Um, and they do incredible things, but it's, it wouldn't have really worked for what I have, but I would encourage if it's, if you've got space and you can hang it on a normal wall, you'd probably be good. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got 35 foot vaulted ceilings in my house, oh, so okay. I can't, I can't hang anything on my ceilings. Yeah. I can't even change the battery in the smoke detector. Oh. It's, it's rough. <laughs> I think they might have some that like hang on wires that like a flat board would hang above you. That's true. Um, they do have those. But I don't know. That's that's way out of my lane. They would they would be awesome guys if you had questions though. They could steer you in the right direction. Awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, good luck with everything. Like I said, definitely keep appreciate in touch. Uh, and I really appreciate all the time and energy. Absolutely. Yes. All right. I'll see you soon, Chris. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.